You would have seen those clips of... um. We'll get back to that. <laughs> What were you saying, Will? Just as we press go? Uh, we're <laughs> well, we were just doing a uh, level check and I just thought of the classic clips of all the F1 drivers where they're like, my check, my check, and then like Lando Norris would be like, in the jungle. They just sing like pointless child child songs, children's songs. I don't like Lando. Lan- you don't like Lando? No. Oh, he's younger for me, so I he's like He's a dickhead. Uh, anyway, yeah. my name is Sean Peterbudge. I'm joined by Will Peters. Hello, Will. Hello, Sean. And this is the weekly watch list. We've recorded... Episodes actually closer to yeah, weekly like than we have in a very long a time. Weeks, it's weeks? been like two yeah. and a half, three weeks, maybe longer. I don't know. What uh, is this form? We're <laughs> <laughs> we getting into a rhythm. <laughs> uh, we're here, obviously, to talk about the things that we have watched, enjoyed, played. Probably not read. I think we've reviewed two books in the entire history of the show, both of them from Mike itself. Yeah, no, maybe I, three. I, I just don't read. The only thing I read is the news section. Yep. New section. And wow. the back of a shampoo bottle when you're having a dump. Yeah. <laughs> Fructose. Yeah. Oh, the, there's fruit aromas oh, in there. They're putting that in this now, are they? Yes. Um, well, it's very lovely to have you here, Will. Uh, you have directed me to put a small fan <laughs> in your in your general direction. Probably a good idea. Well, the fact that I haven't stopped sweating the last two weeks probably indicates that I'm a heavy sweater. Could you just deodorize? Yeah, it doesn't stop sweat coming out of my fucking head. That's true. That is true. <laughs> They're rolling on my whole body before I go to work. <laughs> my eyes. Ah, <laughs> oh, to my well, eyes. Your face smells <laughs> terrific. <Yeah. laughs> um, well, we're here to talk about things and bits and pieces that we've watched and whatnot. Uh, the lead item probably in the time since we last recorded, I think we will both be talking about this, Yes. was what aired on New Year's Day. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah, New Year's Day. Yeah, New Year's yep. Day. Harry Potter, back to Hogwarts reunion special. Yeah. Um, so we'll talk about that as the shared piece before getting into probably some individual There's picks. another shared piece as well. Is there? That we didn't talk about last time because I hadn't watched it Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we can go over that again. Um, again, we never went over it. We kind of, I don't know. I don't know if I've got much more to say about it. But uh, we'll go I've over got a whole. I've got an episode-by-episode episode list of my favourite quotes. Have you watched it all? Yes. Oh, fuck. I've only watched about four of them. <sighs> Uh, we'll talk about the first four then. Okay. Uh, yeah, okay, sure. Or we can save it for next time. No, no, let's not save it. Let's just do it. Okay. Um, Will, Harry Potter, back to Hogwarts. Uh, yeah. It, of course, on Binge, Foxdale, etc., HBO Max. Yes. Um, my first note here is delightful. Just delightful. Very delightful. Very, very delightful. About as delightful as you could have hoped. It's the first time I've watched something where if it was in a cinema, I genuinely think I would have gotten up and clapped. And I've, I'm, I, I see clips of people on Twitter in America, you know, that classic of Avengers Endgame yeah. fight scene runs, yeah, like, I'm it's like, oh, not a sporting bags. It's not a live theatre show. I would have, <laughs> there would have, could have been like a giant fucking IMAX and I would have st- stood up in my little corner seat going, done the slow clap, look around, <laughs> going, everyone else, you going to join in? And I honestly, I, I finished it and looked at man and said, that was amazing. She goes, because mm. she, I only, I introduced her to Harry Potter. She never watched it as a kid. Mm-hmm. So when we first started dating a couple of years ago, I was like, we've got to do this. We'll smash through it. She loved it. And she's like, yeah, it's amazing. Did you go back? I already watched most of them. No, I, I've time. watched them throughout my whole childhood a million times. Yeah, so. I've seen them quite a bit, but I thought, oh, we'll go back and... Cause I probably, after the reunion or before? Yeah, after, because I probably haven't watched the first two for a while. Yeah, then two, like, kitty. Um, 
but I've watched like Azkaban's amazing. Yeah. Goblet of Fire is great. Um, you know which one I did develop a, a greater appreciation for? Half Blood Prince when I rewatched it. I just really liked it. Yeah. I the one, that, is that the one where they're looking for the Horcruxes? Yeah, the, f- yes. yeah, the first one. Yeah. And, and like, I get that people, fans of the book, I think, get confused and they can they want it to be the books and they want it to focus on this story and that story. And you're like, it's it'd be very difficult adapting those later books that yeah. are so big. Yeah. And it's like, we've got to kind of keep the story centralised and focused mm-hmm. on the main three. Yeah. And I get that, I think the sixth book, there's there would be an appetite. There's some awesome, like, um, Voldemort flashbacks explaining yes. his childhood mm-hmm. and you're kind of like yeah if you do if like that would be amazing you're going and in this day and age they would almost do I reckon they'd almost do that separately as like an HBO Max thing or whatever I wouldn't but, be I honestly after then, this I wouldn't be surprised if there's a they should do one there's going to be a prequel yeah little <laughs> well there'll definitely be it's only a matter of time before they do a sequel before yeah. they do a legacy sequel yeah uh, don't do the cursed child because that's that's a really fun stage show, yeah. but it's not a very good story. No. Don't do that. Don't don't even bother. I don't think they will. No, that well, they they can't because it's just it's very fan fiction. Yeah. It's just it's just not great. And I think that on a cinema in a as a uh, as a film, I think all of its sort of shortcomings would be really brutally laid bare. Without mm. the you go to the theater and the experience of going to the theater is watching the practical effects play out. Yep, yep. But on the cinema screen, you're like, oh, yeah, this is just not very good. Yeah. But it's a, it's inevitable they'll do that legacy sequel when these Fantastic Beast films wrap up. Yep. I think they said they want to make five of these Fantastic Beast films, or the third one comes out in two months. People aren't going to say no. But this is the thing. So you do, the third one comes out in two months. However that goes, we don't know. But then if you're thinking about, like, so in five years' time... Daniel Radcliffe, Rupert Grant, Emma Watson, all those guys, and then they're the right age. They're like mid to late 30s. They're the right age to come back and do a 20-year-later yeah. sequel. You can only assume that if they're doing five of these Fantastic Beasts and this next one is... Have they... Did the second one meet young Dumbledore? Yeah. Yeah. You can only assume they'll end up at old Dumbledore. Well, they, they'll end start up... Of Hog- or not start of Hogwarts, yeah. but... They'll end up bringing closer. it up to yeah to Harry Potter timeline, which is fine. And you go, maybe that's where they'll have. It's tricky though, because I think in the books, and, but again, you don't have to be. It doesn't have to be fidelity to the books, but you can, you can have him coming across the young Tom Riddle yeah. as they showed in Half Blood Prince, but then perhaps shifting around the narrative as to when he when we were interacting with young yeah Tom Riddle's yeah. backstory, mm-hmm. because he obviously comes. You know, uh, Grindelwald is his, you know, like lovers or something is the idea. It'd be interesting to see if that's how far they go in the film. But, um, no, look, I I really, I just really enjoyed it. I thought it was really well done. These retrospectives are sometimes hard to do. The Friends one was, it was okay. It was borderline over the top. It was okay. You were like, eh, okay. I would have probably liked more, and who knows, maybe the Harry Potter people watched that and actually went, actually went the live audience stuff is don't worry about it. Yeah. What we actually want to do is get the cast together. Have some moments between Interacting them. amongst yeah. each other. Yeah. Um, a bit of a shame about the Joe Rowling situation and she was used in flashback, oh, as in um, previously captured yeah. materials. Yeah. Yep. I, I would have, look, I'll, whatever people's thoughts are about her comments, I, I don't know enough about the absolute nuts and bolts of what she said and 
what caused the big shitstorm. But at the end of the Fisher day, was just like it was it was perceived homophobic, but it was perceived like transphobic stuff. Yeah, yeah like yeah. okay, well, what's I, I don't know what she was saying no, definitively, but it's disappointing that <laughs> all the people in this show, maybe not all of them, but you think about the David Heyman, the producer the three main cast members or the supporting cast members, not so much the older, you know, your Maggie Smiths and your Richard Harris's of the time and Michael Gambon's and Alan Rickman, but all the young cast, the producers, a lot of the directors who worked on it, they owe Joe Rowling an enormous... Oh. Without her imagination and her vision and her work, yeah. they aren't what they are now. Correct. They don't have the life that they have and yeah. will forever enjoy and the opportunities that's brought them... And it's like I'm sitting there at times thinking, just a little bit of fucking gratitude. I wouldn't would be surprised though if a lot of the people that were in that special privately contacted her. I think from I'm probably most disappointed in like a David Heyman, the producer. Yeah, you know, I, I just would have thought Warner Brothers have clearly got no issue with her because she's writing these Fantastic Beast films. Um, David Heyman's producing them. David Heyman's first big producing credit as a young guy, like early mid-30s probably, was he bought the rights to Harry Potter and produced these successful films based on them, which has led to a very lucrative career and lifestyle for him. Fucking backer inmate. Hmm. Like, seriously. You're the producer of this property. You're still working with her with the Wizarding World staff. Back her in and just say, she's in it. We can't do a fucking retrospective of Harry Potter without her. Yeah. And I just thought, geez, I if I'd be pretty disappointed if I was her. If oh, I was her, yeah. I'd be going, Oh yeah, okay. Is that how it is? Yeah. So that was a bit disappointing. Mm. Um I think too it was a bit it was interesting at times that it was probably more again, more a retrospective kind of of the first or the earlier years, which made sense because it was the twentieth anniversary of the first film. Yeah. So I think sometimes I was sitting there going, geez it it's speaking a bit more about Richard Harris because he was obviously in those ones. Um, and I was kind of like, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I get it. I get it, I suppose. Yeah. But it would have been interesting. They did speak about the later films and have Mike Newell come in and David Yates, et cetera, and Alfonso uh, Cuaron. But I was sort of like, oh, maybe I would have liked it to have been a bit more all-encompassing. Are we going to touch on the uh, Richard Harris note that we made? I mean, yeah, I think that... I'm happy to own it. Uh, yeah, look, I put the thing on Twitter. I think that Richard Harris and his record and his acting credits, his career speak volumes. He's an absolutely outstanding actor. Yeah. And people can talk about Michael Gambon's portrayal not being book accurate. But Gambon was better. But Gambon was better. Yeah. Uh, comfortably better. Which just wouldn't have been able to carry the... Forget even Richard Harris, even as he was, and he was, you know, deteriorating and, and sadly passed away after Chamber of Secrets. Yeah. But I have, I've actually held on to a, to a thought. So Chamber of Secrets came out in 2002, so they would have been shooting it early 2002 at the latest, because mm-hmm. I think it came out in November. So he dies, you know, a little bit after that, 2002, um, sort of mid-year, I think it might have been, or later in the year. There was still... Two, at least two books to come out. There was still at least two to come out by the time Gambon took over. And I wonder, there's part of me that wonders how much of his performance, because he turns up in Azkaban and he's immediately more dynamic and more yeah. 
physical and all yeah. that. And part of me goes, did that inform what the character became? Yeah, yes. Because there's bits in, I think, I think Order of the Phoenix had already come out the book. I might just actually look this up. But there's moments, there's moments in Dumbledore later on that Richard Harris just could not have done. Mm. At that stage of his life, and obviously health deteriorating and the like, and it would have it would have been a problem for the film. Yeah, or well, even in even the you know in quotations action scenes that Dumbledore has, you know he's rushing around, bloody casting spells and all in the later ones, and not jumping per se, but you know, yeah, hurrying. So, so Order of the Phoenix. So yeah, Harris could Phoenix not have done it. Came out in 2013. So Half Blood Prince, the next one. Half-Blood Prince came out in 2005, and then the um, Deathly Hallows was seven. So by five, he'd already done at least one film. And I just wonder if some of it was his interpretation of it was just a bit more alive. Yeah. And you've got, like particularly in Deathly Hallows, you know, you've got the scene where they go to the cave. I think we, we talked about the production team sitting around going, maybe this is a good thing. I think yeah, not in a not in a no, no, thank a, God yeah, he's dead no, kind of way, but, but like in a, an opportunity. We can kind of, yeah, we can kind of swing this. And I think I reckon he also would have obviously read the books and whatnot, and then gone. Do I? He would have gone to them and gone. Do I have to continue what he did, or can I kind of not completely flip it, but have my own little? I just reckon twang. he. I just reckon he was warmer too. Yes, yes. I reckon he was a lot warmer. Mm. <laughs> I saw this um, brilliant Dumbledore clip on. Uh, oh, it's like a a mime, I guess, on uh, TikTok. And there's this guy that does book-accurate impersonations to movie-accurate for any movie. Um, and this one happened to be Dumbledore in Goblet of Fire, and it gets the audio clip from the audio book that Stephen Fry narrates and goes... Um, is, it, is it the infamous Dumbledore ask calmly? Yeah. Yeah. And then it cuts to him and he goes, hurry, hurry, hurry. Deep with the but don't like you agree, <laughs> though? You know, I remember people... This is one that people always talk about. Yeah. And I'm just like... You give that script to any director worth anything and then not having him do it. Harry, did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? It's not. There's, n- there's no. no energy. There's no danger. There's no stakes. The, the line reading that Gambon when he sort of bursts into the room is that he's rattled. And it's sort of like, this isn't right. Yeah. This isn't right. This is someone's, this is dangerous. You've got him and Maggie bloody fanging it into it's, a room. This going, is the thing. What the fuck's happened? You know, you wouldn't be going... Jeez, well, I think we need to. <laughs> Did you do that, Will? I think the world is going to end. Yeah, it's just nonsense. <laughs> like my immediate thing, I remember that's been such a bugbear in the Harry Potter yeah. fan community for so yeah. long, and I'm just like, it, maybe it works in the book, yeah, but on the screen, it would be the most. It'd be laughable. Yes. It'd be laughable how bad it would be. Yeah. Um, I would have liked there to be a bit more. I don't know. I would have liked there to have been a bit more of a tribute to Alan Rickman. Yeah, but then I think I get that if you do one for him, yeah, where do you draw the line? But yeah. I think his being, yeah, I can, yeah, no, like, I, I definitely agree with you. I just think it's a little bit if he gets one, it's a bit. I just thought, like, particularly when his story ends up being not the heart, but a very integral like core a part, semi-hero story of the of the yeah. film, and yeah. you get like people forget because it's now it's ten or eleven years ago, mm. you know. Um, but that, that bit, you know, his last bit in Deathly Hallows Part 2 is just 
brilliant. It's beautiful. It's just fucking like I remember seeing it in the cinema and Same. like people were crying, yeah. yeah, like sobbing. There's only a couple times I've been choked up in a cinema, and that's one of them. Tony Stark, I am Iron Man. Surprisingly, not. I got a bit because I because when he had that thing, like he's gonna die. I'll touch on one later because I didn't watch the exact movie, but it's in the it's in the series. But I um, remember seeing it in the cinema, and there were the classic. <gasps> Like you could hear, and it was fucking brilliant. Yeah. And uh, I think what he's saying is you got your mother's eyes and that thing. And I yeah. thought there was that moment where you kind of went, and his death was very sudden and very, yeah, when, yeah, he, yeah. when he died in 2016, it was quite, oh, fuck. Yeah. It was like, there was, my mum was cooked, my sisters were cooked. They were like, I think it was, oh my God. It was more a tribute as well to his performance as he turns up as this potentially one note, dark, yeah. villainous character and yeah. what he ends up turning that into yeah. is is just tremendous. Yeah. Full credit to him. Um, I've got a couple of notes. You continue yours, but... No, you oops. go. Um, I forgot how much I loved Prisoner of Azkaban. Brilliant. Yeah, uh, Alfonso Coron just absolutely... Uh, Chris, there's a, there's a really good doco on YouTube. I have no idea what it's called, but if you just type in Harry Potter, it was a proper, like... Um, during That's the pretty broad, Harry Potter. No, during, you'll be able to see it. It was a proper Warner Brothers upload because during the pandemic, what Warner Brothers did that was really good was that they put a lot of their bonus materials just on their YouTube channel. As in like behind the scenes As from like their DVDs or From DVDs yeah, and yeah, Blu-rays. Yeah, yeah. So they put like a really good one called, was it Heart of Ice? What was the Batman one? They put a really good Batman the Animated Series one up, mm. which is like an hour and 40 minute doco, which is yeah. brilliant. Um, they put one up about Harry Potter yeah. and it kind of focuses on... The first one, but it was obviously made towards the end of the films being made. Yeah. And Chris Columbus deserves full credit. Yeah. And this doco does a great job of explaining how he had to shoot the first two films because they were very young, very inexperienced. Which they also touch on quite heavily in that. But in, they do a really gr- incredible job of basically explaining they would shoot with like five cameras and then just see what, are we, what we get what we get. Yeah. Because you'll notice in the first two films, there's not a lot of two shots. Because we might be doing a scene with the three of them. And Dan was really good. Dan was great in that scene. Rupert was wandering and just wasn't focused. Picking his nose. Or, you know, <laughs> yeah. whatever. So the job that Christopher Columbus did, or Chris Columbus did, in the first two was a largely thankless task. Yeah. Because he had to, to direct inexperienced, very green... Um, you know, you've only got them for about four hours a day. But then he also had absolute fucking megastars. But yeah, absolutely, he, he did. Fall back on You could paper over the inexperience of the young cast. But by the time you get to Azkaban, unbelievable decision from them to go Alfonso Cuaron. He's this really stylistic, really imaginative... I think he'll he'll make it work. And that was like, between sequels, I'm not sure if there's a a better example of a quantum leap in style. Yeah. Yeah. What the films become from... Like one of the, you know, the best thing he did was the best thing he did was realize Hogwarts is not a real place, so stop going to Oxford to shoot it. Yeah, it's not real. It's a fantastical world, so stop going to a, a real like a university or a castle. Yeah. it's like just make it. We'll just yeah. do it ourselves. With the money, do and, it. and by that stage, we know we're on a winner. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. The in the special, the director of Azkaban touched on um, that scene in the. Uh, Shrieking Shack Yes uh, Where you've got You know Four or five amazing Adult actors And Daniel Radcliffe Comes in And he's Fucking zipping And They're all sitting back Going This is one of the best Scenes ever 
Um, oh, you've got David Thewlis and you've got Alan Rickman, you've got yeah. Gary Oldman sparring yeah. with each other, and it's like, it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, and well, the... I think, did, did Ray Fiennes say that with Rickman when he said, he goes, the, the last scene in the sh- in the boat house, yeah. it's like you kind of, he goes, you, you're going up against, you two are kind of sparring. Yes, yeah. He goes, you're like like two... you're both two absolutely evil villains, but one of you, secretly, yeah. Um, and then the moment uh, where, I forgot which movie it was, I think it might have been four, the director asked the, all the um, the main three to do character assessments on themselves. I think that was the third one. Third was, one? Yeah, I think that was Kuron as well. Yeah. Um, and he gets he gets Rupert Grint to do it, and then Rupert goes, no. Nah. <laughs> and you go, oh, why? Why, why, why? Um, oh, because Ron wouldn't do it, so I'm not going to do it. And then, like, no one but Nyland, because, and I... I I think Emma Watson did some crazy. She did like a twelve-page. No, like perfect. Um, and then I, as again, as a kid watching it, didn't realize the complete spin and the kind of mentality of each movie. Mm. But then coming into this, I'm like, oh my god! Of course, the complete 180 that the whole series took after Rupert Grint's death. They go like from oh, there. Oh yeah. Um, what's his face? Um, Diggory. Cedric Diggory. Um, yeah. Just. Like I was like, oh my god, that's so true. After that, everything just turns to like darkness. I'll go back further than that. I completely agreed with uh, Mike Newell. He was the director. He said that. He said the film is suddenly the film is about death. Yes. And I completely agree with that. It was an unbelievable moment. Yeah, darkness probably starts from, from Azkaban. Darkness starts, or the 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 turn is for two and a half films. People have scoffed at Harry Potter, the boy who lived. You know, Snape has that scene in the first one where he kind of embarrasses him in front of the class. Do you yeah. know what this is? Do you know what this yeah, is? Yeah, no, yeah. I don't. He doesn't know what a wizard is because he's deliberately led life away from that. Yeah. So we've been told that his big reputation, big things are expected of him. Ollivander says that when he gives him his wand. So for two films, we've been told, you're somebody. Yeah. And he doesn't know that he's somebody for two films, for two and a half films. The bit where he casts the Patronus in Azkaban is the turning point of the series when he he thinks he's waiting for his dad. Yeah. And he goes, he'll come, someone will come, he'll come. And Sirius is like dying yeah. on the little rocky beachy thing. Yeah. And he runs and he kind of goes, he has that moment of, it's me. Or it's not even that. Like it's this beautiful, and this is what a good fucking filmmaker does. He's not sit there, they don't give you that. Some filmmakers would give you the beat where it's like the real ooze in on him as he, mm. he realises, and they'll be painted all over his face, oh, it's me. No, is this? If I don't do something, he'll die, and not knowing that I'm the guy, I'm who I saw. Yes, that's an afterthought. But it was that beautiful, powerful moment of this manifest, this idea of he just became that character in that moment, and he ran down onto the beach yeah. and, and cast. Like when he's there with Sirius, he's going, "Who's that?" And he's not saying it, but essentially, we're all thinking, "God, who's that amazing life-saving wizard yep. over there?" And the and the film is. The and film like is telling <laughs> you that it's it's someone else. It's his, it's a spirit. Yeah. It's someone else. Yeah. And you go that that moment where he runs down, and it's a watch it if you haven't seen it in a while because it is ex- watch all of them. But it like, is expert. They're so good. They do the big wide shot as he kind of runs down, yeah. and then it pans back out. Yeah, it gives you the real hero moment. So I, I totally agree with Mike Newell. It's a really good point you made that that moment where you meet Voldemort and like again Ray Fiennes is probably. Unreal. It sounds silly, but he's probably a forgotten 
like not a, he's not a forgotten part of those films, but just how good he was. Yes, he he doesn't really get spoken about as that Darth Vader level. No, you know, no. classic iconic but villain. Un- I guess because you don't see him from movie one. Well, you see a bad CGI version of him <laughs> in yeah. the back of Professor <laughs> Quirrell's head, right? <laughs> which is just weird. But like that first incarnation of him, where he's all like. You know, fucking test tube baby and shit yeah. and comes out. And he comes out on the... Naked. Noseless. He's, he's naked, isn't he? <laughs> um, but no, look, I, I thought it was really, really good. Um, I thought it was perfect celebration. Um, I, I don't think they p- could have executed it any better. I agree. So if you haven't watched all the films in a long time, do go back and watch them because, you know, now we're in the 11th year since the last one. Um, you kind of go, geez, that's crazy. Like we're actually, they were making them for ten years. Well, it's been eleven since Hallows Two. Yeah. Um, I think that it's sort of it's sort of easy to kind of just forget or to take for granted. Geez, a how good they were. Yeah. Pre Avengers stuff, mm. like how good they were. Mm. Um, and just why they're so revered. Another one I loved. Um, fuck, what's Tom Malfoy's last name? Tom, Tom... Um, oh, yeah. Felton. Felton. Um, I loved two things. That one came up during the week, but in the special, there was where he first started acting with his with, uh, uh, Mal- dad Malfoy. Yes. Yes, um, Jason Isaacs. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> he's, he's just, you know, so caring and loving and action, and he turns into this fucking absolute dragon. I love that when he said Jason. Hey, Jason Isaacs is quite a he's, he's a good actor. And he was talking about how he wanted to be um, he wanted to be uh, what's his face Gilderoy Lockhart. Lucius. And he'd he'd auditioned to be yeah. Gilderoy Lockhart, and they said, "No, nah, look, you're not going to get that." And in the end, Kenneth Branagh was brilliant. Yeah. Um, but we'd like you to do this one, and he was like, because he'd done. The, he had some other evil. He'd done the Patriot. Yeah. Where he was the bad guy. Yeah. Uh, for Roland Emmerich, he was yeah. like. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. But in the end, he was like, oh, it's a great um, decision. Whatever. I'll do it, yeah. Um, so I'm, look, I'm, I'm really looking forward to having rewatched some of the Fantastic Beasts as well. Again, a bit uneven, a bit strange, not as good as the Harry Potters, but I think they've figured out what they're doing. I think we also walk into them with a Harry Potter expectation as well. Though. We do, but I think they've, they've figured out that Dumbledore's like the main character. Yeah. It took them two films, but they've yeah. kind of figured out he's the guy. Let's yeah. just... A little bit like the prequels probably should have been, and they kind of were, but the Star Wars prequels probably should have been Obi-Wan mm. is the main guy. And they they kind of were at, at times, yeah. but you're sort of like, if you had your time again, you just start back and go, Dumbledore's their man. It's a young Dumbledore. I mean, they're giving Obi-Wan his series, aren't they? I could not be more excited about that. Mm. That could be amazing. I actually I randomly saw a clip of um, Ewan McGregor being asked the question, are you going to play Obi-Wan again? He said yes, everyone cheered. Yeah, that was at the celebration or the yeah. Disney D23 or whatever? I got goosebumps. I was like, why I was like, why am I getting this? <laughs> like, I didn't, I, I didn't, I wasn't a huge, huge Star Wars fan growing up. It, I came into them as I got older, but I was like, what's happening? I liked <laughs> it when he said, uh, he said, because people would always ask, he goes, it's, it's a, I think he's on a, one of the talk shows. He goes, people would always ask, like, oh, you know, would you would you be interested in doing it? And he goes, well, he goes, we've been speaking about it for quite a few years. And mm. he goes, I always had to kind of play dumb. 
Yeah. Like, oh, look, if they wanted me, if they asked me to... He goes, like, it was like I was touting for the job. <laughs> he goes, playing Obi-Wan again. He goes, yeah. so it was this weird thing of me... that Andrew Garfield obviously went through it recently where you're like, yeah. I'm not in the movie. Yeah. I'm not in it. Yeah. I'm, well, I can't wait to see it. And everyone's going, you're lying. You <laughs> yeah. are in the movie. Fuck. Uh, so, no, look, very good. Very good stuff indeed. Yeah. Uh, I suppose we want to talk about MacGruber now. MacGruber. Classic MacGruber. Classic MacGruber. We, we spoke about it briefly in the last episode. Um, I didn't get as far into it as you have, but I don't know if I said this in the last episode, but all I want from MacGruber is one classic MacGruber moment. Every yeah. episode, just give me one <laughs> MacGruber moment. Which you get. Which you get. <laughs> which you get Which you get in the last four episodes as well. What did he say? One of my favourites, I think it was episode two, is when he, he comes face-to-face with Billy Zane. And he's like, he goes, had unprotected sex with your mum and dad, came at him a bunch of times. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like... I was, I was watching that scene on the couch with <laughs> and my dad was walking past and he says that. He looks at me and goes, what are you watching? <laughs> I was like, don't it's ask. MacGruber. It's, MacGruber. it's a long story. <laughs> um, so so that's, that's the line that if you get it, if you like MacGruber, you're like, this is magnificent. But if you've got <laughs> no idea what it is, you're like, this is trash. It ended up being on Stan. Which I, oh, there you go. Yeah, so I was, I was just scrolling through one day finding something. I was like, oh my God, it's here. So then I just canned the download that you sent me. Damn. Um, and watched it on there. I ended up taking it camping. Not it. It's down. I took it the, the, the DVD. I burnt it onto a disc. <laughs> yeah. No, I, no, I um, with me. downloaded it and then in the mornings where I'm waking up at fucking 6.30, 7 o'clock and Maddie's in bed till 9, knock out two episodes. Tear out some MacGruber. Yeah. Um, so I'll just go through my list. Please. Um, the e- first one's got to be when he's in the bedroom. <laughs> Episode one. Yeah. There's two of them. It's <laughs> when they're talking about, uh, you know, we'll be there at 0800 hours. Guys, that's 8 a.m. I looked it up. I looked it up. I thought it was going to be the bit where it's revealed that he's been, like, he he had a mental breakdown when he was trying to defend himself in court from the first one. He just kept throwing people under the bus. He threw me the gun. He threw me the gun. When Vicky's having sex and then oh he ends up in the chair, it's like, I'm sorry, I had to see, hear, and smell it. <laughs> what do you say? He goes, when they hear him in the... So he's, she's with Lawrence Fishburne, obviously. Yeah. And then it's it's you know just a silly sex scene briefly, and then you just hear like, <laughs> and MacGruber's sitting in the corner watching his ex-wife <laughs> with his ex-boss or whatever. Yeah. Do what, what was the line that he say? Am I disturbing you? Or something like that. It was very um, classic MacGruber. And then, <laughs> and then they um so episode two there's uh, a sex scene and then. <laughs> MacGruber walks out of the toilet in this Jim Carrey voice, whether it be Ventura or Mask, whatever, and goes, do not go in there. (laughs) I just love how the show just constantly keeps telling you what a complete booby is, (laughs) but he's got this reputation of like being a man that gets stuff done. Um, And then episode three, um, (laughs) he, he, spoiler alert, gets out of his... uh, his battle and, you know, goes to find uh He's <laughs> episode three, is that the one where he's he's in like the steam in the room and he's completely naked <laughs> and, and he's like he's trying to hide up against the pipes and this guy's like because <laughs> like, he's blind. Yeah. This guy MacGruber had fought in the past and did MacGruber blind him? Uh I think he bl- I think MacGruber I think was so, responsible. Yeah. But he's he's saying that the rest of his senses are heightened, yeah. and he's walking through this room trying to find MacGruber. But MacGruber is stark naked, and his <laughs> ass 
You see so much of this man's bum. His, his ass ridiculous. is about three inches. One thing that they didn't do in this series, they and I've spoiled the last four episodes. I don't think our listeners are watching MacGruber. No, but if you do, please watch the movie, then watch these. They didn't give us a salary Maybe they moment. thought it's too obvious. <laughs> Maybe, but... Double bluffed us. Episode three. Uh, he's, he's got a flamethrower, doesn't he? He's like, so MacGruber's running around this, like... Um, his boiler room yeah. trying to escape this man he's been locked in he's like you can't get me up here and then he goes yeah he's got a big flamethrower like, gets burnt on the ass. he goes shit 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 um, but episode 3 he steals a car at a petrol station uh, he goes and this person goes hey where are you going and then MacGruber goes to kick ass and as he's as he's peeling away in his motorbike flips it up falls off hits the hits the petrol bowser <laughs> looks back at the person and goes fuck you and just <laughs> slowly runs away for and it, uh, the camera pans on him for way too fucking long <laughs> oh macruba <laughs> they go to they go to Vicky him and him and piper um oh, oh, checkers <laughs> as the, oh, have you up to that bit yet i don't think so Oh, they, <laughs> they're talking about how uh, so episode three he goes um, they're telling us they're telling Vicky all this stuff trying to get her back in rah rah and <laughs> Piper keeps on <laughs> Piper keeps on ruining um, MacGruber's like punchline <laughs> and then he just turns around to Piper and goes Piper remind me to fuck up your big story you're, <laughs> you're excited to tell <laughs> I can imagine Will Forte doing that, <laughs> just turning to camera, turning to. Um, so, what you haven't seen episode three? I've, I thought I had, because I've seen up to the bit where Piper goes to see Vicky, and they're like, "We've got to go help MacGruber," and then he he escapes the boiler room. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that bit. Doesn't he do something with the body? He like he, he, he puts he, himself yeah, inside. He, he, puts the, himself he skins inside him, yeah. this person, and then. Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen that might be the end of two then. There's so many more quotes yeah, I want okay. to go over oh, with you. I need to. I'll watch it then. I'll need to go back. Yeah. But it is. Um, I think it's as good as we could have reasonably expected it to be. Yes. No. I like. I didn't. It didn't need to be any funnier for me to love it. Expectations were not high. No. And it was. It was good. If you want to, if you have a very childish sense of humour, that is necessary. Yeah. This is a brilliant show for you to watch. Watch the movie first. Well, we spoke about it's a and then spiritual watch this companion yes. to Hot Rod. Yes. Yes. So if you like Hot Rod, you'll love this. Very similar um, very similar styles of humour. If you like Lonely Island, yeah. you'll love this. Yeah. I think uh, uh, Yorma, I think he directed all of them, didn't he? Yes, he is yeah. in the Yorma, Yorma Tacone. Directed them He's all. He's on the... Um, excellent. I'll have to, I'll have to, I thought I got three. Maybe I got part of the way through three. Oh, I'll have to go back. I'll have to go back. And it's watch so it. good. Um, excellent, excellent, excellent. My first solo pick of the week is a very interesting documentary, Will, on YouTube called Xbox Power On. Now, it was okay. published late last year, like in December, I think, so only you know recently. Yeah. And it's basically a four-hour, like six-part proper docker. Each episode goes for 40-odd minutes about the birth of and continued evolution of the Xbox. So, like, mm. Microsoft have made it. So, it's an official Microsoft doco. Yeah. It's excellent. It's really, really good. You'd hope but, so. They've got lots of money. But about this thing that, like, people probably take for granted, Microsoft, one of the biggest companies in the world, who up until that point had not made hardware 
at all, they just made operating systems and software, basically decided one day, we're going to make a console. Because PlayStation was going really well, and it was the idea of like the idea was like taking over the living room. It was this idea that Sony are going to keep... They obviously saw what was coming, this yeah. idea of, well, if they get DVD players and they get... You know, they'll become a home entertainment system. You'll be able to go on the internet on them, et cetera, et cetera. And they basically said, well, to, we need to... We can't just give them that market. We need to go to war with them. And they started, they built this console in like two years, no time at all. Yeah. And it's sort of this fantastic, probably the first half kind of focuses on the Xbox, the first one, which is really cool. And then they go into the 360 and like the red rings. I'm going to need you to link me. It's just on YouTube. Link me. Just search Xbox, power on. I don't want to search. You're link going to me. have to because you're going to have to click the link. <laughs> but the point is, they go through, like, warts and all. They, the Xbox and the red rings on the 360. Yeah. Um, the old red rings. People forget, too, like... Like, they took an enormous loss on that. They took a huge hit on it. But people forget that, like, the 360... At various points, I think it actually might have outsold the PS3. No, it was. It was, it was bigger. That's, it was, that's it was an, and that's what like, I thought, oh, the yeah. The 360 bought it in... 360 was the console that they were playing at MLGs and all competitive... I was sort of like... Oh, competitive I knew was, video games were played on 360s. I just assumed that it was it was more popular than the Xbox, but not as popular as the PlayStation. And no. It was like, no, it was. It fucking killed it. Yeah, they it was like, oh, killed shit. us for a little bit, but then... Like you PlayStation, say us. us. But then, um, PlayStation Nation, baby. And then again, they talk about how the philosophy of the Xbox One, and this is this is what I don't understand. They, like, did they talk about the controller? They did, the Duke. Mm. They did. They said that the, the problem in like countries like Japan was it was just too big. Yeah. It was just, it was too big. Yeah. Um, I've got one somewhere in the roof, I think. But um, it's really interesting that they, they talk about then the crisis of identity and stuff that they had with the, the, the Xbox One. Uh, and they like like lost a lot of ground back to Sony because of just ideal ideologically their approach for the Xbox One was just it didn't mesh with the market. Yeah, and it was just this weird thing where it was kind of like, yeah, but why not? Oh, and even they're a bit like, oh, because they wanted it to be a more of a home entertainment thing and yeah. not a gaming. Co- and it was like, but it was always a gaming console yeah. as well. Anyway, um, they talked to all the architects behind it, all the key figures behind it. Um, it's it's a genuinely brilliant watch. Um, like I said, I, th- I sort of queued it up and I thought, that whatever the first episode goes for 45 minutes, and I went, oh, cool, cool. And then it was, oh, no, it's like a full-on... Like, ooh, there's four more. Four-hour, six-part, <laughs> yeah. you know. Um, excellent doco, power on. Uh, it's If you just go to, like, Microsoft on YouTube, it's right there. Um, and you can all watch it in one hit or the individual episodes. Brilliant, mm. really cannot recommend it anymore. Excellent. Loved it. Excellent. It's just a good, like, you know when you watch a good doco that's kind of, it's about, it's about something that you've you've known for how, you know, 20-odd years the Xbox has been out, but yeah. you're sort of like, you don't expect to see, like, really well-made, thoughtful documentaries about this subject matter. Yeah. And it's kind of like we spoke about... It's like that gaming The doco. Game, yeah. gaming doco, that which was, was cool. Yeah, because, we, you know, we're both grown up as gamers. You go, ah. Oh, yeah, interesting. Cool. Yeah, Console yeah. Wars. Console Wars. Cool. Uh, and yes. There was Console Wars and there was another one. Yeah. It was a Netflix one, wasn't there? Uh, but I think... Game... I think this is on? better. That might have been Game On. I think this is better than both of those. Might, might be my watch tonight, to be honest. Mm. Um, oh, Jesus. It is this. It's just well done. Like, this whole thing, like, I found it fascinating that you just... 
you just take potentially you take for granted the idea. I remember hearing that Microsoft are making a console. I remember it being, you know, two thousand and one. I remember yep. it being a big deal because it was like they'd never done anything like this, and the biggest tech company in the world are going to take on the PlayStation. And you sort of went, okay, yeah, yeah, interesting. But I just remember it being a huge. My uncle, who's, who's a big sort of PC gamer, same thing was like. It was like, yeah, okay, look, this could be amazing. I remember it vividly, so it was really cool to kind of go back to that and then go back to the launch of the 360. They spoke a lot about Halo yep. being its, like, hero title um, and the effect that Halo Online had. And, again, something you take for granted, that console gaming online started with the... properly started with the Xbox. And Halo really fucking... Because they had Xbox Live which no one else had. No one else had PlayStation Online or where the hell... No, there was PlayStation it. Online. But it wasn't... Xbox Live was it to the fucking nth degree. Oh, it was maxed out the best it, that it could be. And it yes. totally took took gaming console-wise yes. online into your living room, yep. which was... It was one of those things that Sony and Nintendo, etc., would have got there eventually, but yep. Xbox sort of blazed a trail. Yes. Uh, so my one watch I actually watched this week... It was a bit of a uh, regrettable watch oh no. at the end. Uh, something that I've been very fond of over the years. I mentioned before I got choked up in one of their movies. Um, there's nine of them. Fast and the Furious. Yeah, I watched F Nine. Fast and the Furious. Yeah. You got it was the Paul Walker bit, wasn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. I'd grown up with, with the it. Fucking what's yeah. it called? It's been a Monday. Have we spoken about it in the past? Like, I admit that it was a very well executed moment, but at the same time, I remember sitting in the cinema and thinking, really didn't think that uh, Fast and Furious Saga had this in them. No, <laughs> yeah. Like, I was like, credit to them. Yeah. I like, didn't think yeah. they had this level of tactful emotion. What they scooped up for this pile of crap is disgusting. One of my favourite podcasts. Um, oh, jeez, what's it actually? Oh, not called, what's it called? Mr. Sunday Movies. Is that what it's called? I don't the know. Weekly Planet. The right. Australian guys are from Melbourne. Very, very good. Um, do they actually record weekly? Y- yeah, they record. <laughs> I think they, they do several episodes a week, oh so they're boy. certainly better than we are. But um, they they did a fun like year-end thing. They're like the best and the worst. Yeah. And they were going through like, which we'll probably do at the end of this year, similarly like our favourite picks. Yeah. But they do a fun thing where they have like fake awards, like yeah. you know, s- silliest um, or... Worst film, try to set up a sequel. Yeah. And that kind of stuff. And they were going through, like, you know, best big budget action film of the year. And it was, you know, they went through the Black Widow and Eternals and all these films. And um, was it Nick? Nick is, I think, listing them off. And the other guy, James, is sort of going, yeah, not bad. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, liked it. And he goes, fast night. He goes, shit. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, he's, he's completely true because. The whole time I sat there just going, fucking that's cheesy. That's just, like, I know what to expect going into a Fast and Furious film, but this was fucking tripe. They remade Point Break 20 years ago uh, and they've made eight sequels and a spin off. It's a mind blowing achievement. It's just, and like, everything is just so. There's, this, there's this running joke that um, Ludacris and. Uh, Ter- what's it, Tyrese. What's his name? Tyrese. Uh, Tyrese Gibson. There's a running joke that they're just like invincible. Have you seen it? No. No. 
they're just getting into situations and he's just killing everyone. He's being fucking, you know, stampeded by everyone and he just doesn't die. But it's to the point where you're like, okay, yeah, there's a joke once or twice, that's fine. The amount of times he should fucking die, he just doesn't. And I'm like, oh, kill one of them at least. This is where they started off. Is Kurt Russell in it? Yes. Yeah, cool. He Mr. Looked, Mr. Nobody he, or he was. I didn't mind him when he turned up in... Which I didn't watch Fast Eight, so I don't know if he one. came up in that, but... I think he turned up very f- confused. the first time in the seventh one. And look, I like Kurt Russell because he's a cool dude. Yeah. And at least when he turns up in these films, he knows... He knows to dial it up. Yeah. He knows to be hammy and be silly, and yes. it's just good fun. But and we see young, uh, young Dom Toretto. Oh, this is the one where he's brothers with John Cena. Yes. Yeah, and like there was just an innocuous accident that they blamed each other for forever, and yeah, and so it was just nonsense. Yeah, essentially, essentially they cut John Cena as a little boy who ends up being the kid on Peaky Blinders. So they've just like tanned the fuck out of him and gone. Yeah, you can't just tan him up to make him look more <laughs> like Latino. Yeah, and um, it's incredible they got away with that because I sat there going, "Oh, not sure about that." Yeah, that's a bit too far in like, this day and age. Yeah, um, <laughs> just thinking about it, weird. Um, Apart so from yeah. the fact they look nothing alike. Yeah, and I don't know they could have somewhat maybe deep faked some sort of stuff onto the young Dom face, but anyway. Uh, yeah, so there's flashbacks, which it start and the movie starts with a flashback. I'm like, oh, okay, this might be a bit cool, and then it just goes downhill from there. And each flashback is like, Cause what makes the, you realize something more and more and more. What was the idea that yeah, the brakes got cut on their dad's stock car? Yeah, they're like it's not NASCAR, but it's like essentially the same thing, but yeah. like VFL standard or whatever. Yeah, okay, like the Sprint Cup, whatever yeah. it's called, or the yeah. Nextel Cup. And there's a. And then they find out when Dom Toretto goes to jail, which I assume that's how he meets Brian May. Brian? Brian May, the guitarist of the Bri- Queen. Brian May, fucking hell. Um, Paul Walker, what's... Didn't they, no, he met Paul Walker because Paul Walker was an undercover cop. Yeah, but you know he's been done time in the system and that's how he's... You see how he's got into the jail avenue, essentially. Yeah, you just see how he was in jail. Yeah. Because he was framed for the murder. Or yes. Ro- took, took credit... For responsibility for the murder, he had no, th- or the yeah. death. It wasn't even a murder. He took responsibility for his father's death, which young jo- young John Cena cut the fuel line. He went up on a wall. He blew up. They f- you find out how that happened. Did he cut it by accident? No, it was on purpose because he wanted to do something to let this, some other guy win because he owed money to that guy. How old was he? Oh, I don't know, seventeen, eighteen. It's oh, like okay. a family, you yeah. know. Dom works on the car. Young John Cena is a something something. Their dad's the driver. Yeah. He's got a mate and whatever. And I like I did the one thing I hate people doing when I watch a movie with them. I was on my phone yeah, most phone. of most of the movie, which which tells you something because I'm a big anti phone guy. Yeah. Uh, so basically, it was the most expensive, shittiest film I've ever seen. It yeah. would have cost them so much money to make this film. I think they just need to stop. They need to. They have to. They just need to stop making these movies. They're not because they still make money. And they still do like this thing of Paul Walker still being alive. And it's like, um, oh, what's gonna, her name? They're going to deep fake him. Well, no, the, there's no, there's no deep fake in it. No, no, they're going to deep fake him, I think. Probably, yeah. The next one. Mia, she comes because, you know, the family. Dom's sister. Oh, family. This is awfully macabre. But in the story, Paul Walker, what's his name? Brian. Brian May, the lead singer, the, uh, sorry, the lead guitarist Bri- of Queen. What's the last name? Brian... I don't fucking know. Is it important? Um, but he do, he 
he needed to. He wouldn't just walk away from this familiar. He wouldn't just walk away from this shit. So Brian like, O'Connor. You had to. They had to kill him. I think. Yeah, but there's this element that they're still alive, and he's just no. Nah, he doesn't have anything to do with it. I can't be involved, Dom. And and he goes, and uh, Mia comes along and goes, and like, like you know, what'd you do with the kids? And they go, you know, they're in the safest place possible, and like it's this little like wink to the camera. At the end of the movie, they're all in Dom's backyard. The house is getting built because it blew up in the yeah, last yeah, movie or something. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> the house is getting rebuilt. The door to this. There's buckets of Coronas. Yeah. There's, you know, Hispanic music yeah, playing yeah, in the lots background. Of <laughs> and then. A pinata, some tortillas. And then they go, oh, you know, is everyone here? Is everyone here? And then, you know, cuts to the road. Does Dom do the. Does it Blue do the, skyline rolls up and you're does, like, oh. does, Dom do the, does Dom do the knowing wry smile to camera as it oozes in on him? No, uh, I think Mia does. And then, you know, they see him and go, oh, Brian's here, he's coming back. Da, 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 but we're not going to see him because guy unfortunately died. Yeah, so, and then there's this, yeah, this blue sky and rolls up and you're like, oh, fucking hell. Just, he had it, yeah, he drove away. That was it. I cried. <laughs> it <was like laughs> he a, drove away. It like, just play it off. I don't know, play it off as a weird metaphysical, spiritual thing that he drove into yeah. another life. I don't fucking know. Um, and just, yeah, the whole movie, I know it's not meant to be fucking realistic, but every single thing about this movie is fucking unreal. Like, this is, what's her name? Uh, Matilde, Matilde, uh, stand by, stand by, stand by. No, Matilde. Nath- Nathalie? Oh, Emmanuel. Emmanuel, yeah. Yeah, she was the chick Smoking. from... Smoking. Uh, she's gorgeous. Yeah, she was from uh, Game of Thrones. But she's... Smart IT girl. Yeah, yeah. She she's can like she can bypass she can bypass any firewall yeah, no matter. matter what. And she's in like they're trying to blow this person up. They're basically driving in a tank. And they're like, We need you to do this. And she's like, sure, I just need it. Like, no worries. Hacking something and you know, some missile goes bang bang. It's just like Ugh. It's the sh- it's one of the shittest films What's I've ever seen. What's incredible too is that she can do all this hacking and she can bring down governments and she can get behind firewalls yeah. all in a really like tight crop top. Yeah. Do it while sexy. Which is good. It's, yeah, it's great because she's gorgeous. She is. Um, Charlotte Theron as well. She's cypher. She's yeah, yeah, she's, baddie. Yeah, she's shit. Kind of low-key hot with short bulk up. I don't know why. Maybe it's just a Charlotte Theron thing. In the last one? don't know. don't think so. But that's that ends up being Dom's... So that's, that's another thing. I, in the middle of the movie, I was Googling how Dom had a kid. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, because they didn't see Fast Eight. He had a kid with Charlize Theron. Yeah, it did make... It's nonsense. And I'm like, what the Because I was like, when did Letty fucking give birth? No, she didn't. I know. She had Which is amnesia. why I was so confused. That's why she couldn't remember. <laughs> it was, this is basically one step up from The Bold and the Beautiful. It's a Bold and Beautiful... At, it's, at a it's, bold, it's, bold and the be- it's Bold and the Beautiful action film. It's, it's, you know what someone said in the Universal meeting? Said, fuck, Bold and the Beautiful has been running for 35 years. You know what else is real popular? Top Gear. Let's put them together. <laughs> um, yeah, Finn Cole, who plays young Jacob Toretto. And they all have their Toretto yeah. cross chain. Yeah, and the, that's one of the first things you see in the film. You're like, oh, the Toretto's. Part of me wants to watch it. Do it. It's just hard, to but get, do just it. To be angry. And then as well, Han, who in Fast Five, I think, whatever the Brazilian one was. Yeah, Five. Five. Brilliant death. I reckon six is the best one, the one with um, Luke Evans. He's he's the um, he's what's his face's brother. He's uh, Jason Statham's brother, 
and it's sort of in London at the start. And they're kind of doing the they have the cool chase through London. Yeah, no, that yeah, that one's I th- all right. I think five and six. I think six is just a little bit better, yeah. but five because five is the first one with the rock in it. Yeah. Um, I think those are the two best ones. See, Han, I really liked it. Like we've, I think we've spoken about it in the past. I think the way they retconned Han's death yeah. in three was awesome. Yeah. Like it was genuinely. I remember watching that, thinking, or watching the fourth or the fifth one, whenever he turned up again. And I remember thinking, oh, this is like actually quite, yeah, quite clever. And then they explain yeah. this death as well that, that in this, this film, one. That this film was actually taking place after. Yeah. Like four and five. And I was like, oh, that's, yeah. that is actually very good. Yeah. And then they get the Tokyo Drift gang as well. I like Tokyo Drift. It, I loved Tokyo Drift. They get them in. But Bow Wow? Um, Bow Wow as well. Yeah, Lucas cool. Black, who's got this <laughs> disgusting southern accent. Oh, no. Um, but he, I, I reckon he's had work done or something. He probably has. Because he's just like. He's, it looks a bit puffer fish, looks a bit collagen lips. Yeah. You know what I, facelift, tightening. Yeah. You know what I think was really good too? Like, Bow Wow's fat. Yeah, okay. Chunky. Well, he's not little anymore. Now no. he's big Bow Wow. He's chunky Bow Wow. Um, <laughs> Girthy Bow Wow. Bow Wow. <laughs> I think what was interesting about the third one, which I quite liked, was that that film was legitimately, or that series, yeah. was legitimately a bad movie away from just being Fast and Furious Presents you know, extreme limits, just like straight to DVD. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> yeah. But the third one is, is actually like not a bad movie. Yeah. Because it, it's a different sort of film. It's got a different kind of plot line. Yep. It's actually not a bad film. No. Certainly not. better than the shit they've been making lately. Yeah, it's not... Um, yeah, their last, their last three, I just... <sighs> so, because what are we up to? So this was nine. nine. Okay. And then I think in the next one... I like, assume there's going to be one more. Yeah, it's like they, he, he kept wanting to get The Rock back and The Rock's like, I'm not doing it. Stop talking to me. It's like, I'm not doing it. Yeah. I think the best thing that has been in any of these films lately was Hobbs and Shaw. Have you seen Hobbs and Shaw? Hobbs and Shaw was at least like cheesily funny enough 80s, to get a, me through it. It was an 80s action yin and yang buddy film. Yeah. And like like a tango and cash, like just it that happened to be titled with Fast and Furious font. But it was brilliantly, brilliantly stupid and knew it. Yeah. That bit where Jason Statham goes to see his mother in prison, and they're like, "She's a seventy year old woman," you know, she's chained up. Yeah. And like I was like, "This is just classic Statham." <laughs> um, I didn't mind Hobbs and Shaw for what it was. I thought it got yeah. stil- silly and stupid, and st- over the top nonsense. But at least it kind of was like, yeah, like we. I know. I know. I know. I know a handful of um, Polynesians, and they said that last that like, bit was 40, fucking painful. Forty-five minutes of the movie is fucking disgusting. It's, like, it's like they were enjoying it, and then once he starts, like you know, they just start like beating this like Polynesian pride heart, and they go to Samoa. Yeah, it was horrendously uh, bad. Uso. It's just, it's like, and you got like the they're fighting the, with like clubs and Dwayne, mallets. Dwayne Johnson's like Dwayne Johnson's brother. He has never seen technology like this. He lives in a hut made of reeds and bamboo, <laughs> but he can fix this. Like, it would have been better from a Gruber style. He was yeah. like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> it's like a million wires. <laughs> so, Fast 9, you're saying, don't watch it, or do watch it if you want to have it, if you want to watch a shit film. If you want to watch a mind-numbing fucking film and waste uh, two hours and... Uh, it doesn't say... What usually says on IMDb? That film needs to be no more than two hours. It's two hours and twenty three minutes. Yeah, that's 
way too long. Yeah. I'd give it 2.05 with credits. <laughs> but two hours... like Two hat, hours and 23 minutes. There's, no, there's nothing that a Fast and the Furious film has to say that should take them more than two hours. No. If it's got a 5.2 out of 10 on that IMDb. That seems generous. It's generous. I think that's... It's your scale. Loyalties going, 10 out of 10, baby. I think, that's, I think that's your scale of people being like, you know what? That was fucking shit. 3 out of 10. And then Devin and <laughs> think going... Four and a half. <laughs> you know what? We'll just call it a five. <laughs> All right. So I, I might watch that and we might report back. Um, my next pick is a game that... Um, so I bought a Nintendo Switch. Um, I've been eyeing it off for a little while. And it was like... Nintendo makes some fun kind of like retro-y games that are... I sort of like that they make games that are kind of... I don't know. They, they remind me of when I started playing video games. Yeah. And they're very simple. The yeah. premises are very simple. Yeah. They're fun to play. They have a quirky, like really cool uh, artistic style, perhaps more so than the, the traditional PlayStation and mm-hmm. Xbox games. And nothing typifies that to me better than a game that I showed Will, just for context's sake, because it would be very hard to explain otherwise, called The Art of Rally. Now, this is a 3D kind of top-down polygon rally game, which you can find on Steam and uh, the Nintendo Switch store, and I'm pretty sure it's on the Xbox and PlayStation stores as well. It's about 30 bucks. It is great fun. So, Will, I showed you the game just before so you could get your head around what it is. Very simple premise. There's a bunch of rallies, classic cars from the 60s through to the 90s, and it's like a... You described it as... um, I said it was like a classic online game. It's like a driving game you'd play with WASD... Mm. On miniclip.com in 2006. Yeah, but just sort of like but souped on a up Switch. A looks modern to the eye. But in a quirky, fun, yeah. rendered, sort of really stylistic way. Like a 15 year old, 20 year old game. Like it's, it's a deliberately retro looking, yeah. feeling. Done sounding. well. I don't think it's worth $30. Oh. oh. 20 max. Oh. It's, it's, it's not simple, but you know what I mean? It's, it's, Zeros and ones. They're not going yeah, in. Yeah, but that's the point. Like, I love, I love that you like. So you play through the seasons and the championship years, and it kind of tells the story of rallying through the generations. And you unlock, you know, you start like I said in the sixties, and then you work your way through. And now I'm up to like the classic Subaru WRX, you know, Colin McRae era, which did is you great. Ever, did you ever play Colin McRae? Love Colin McRae rally game on like PlayStation One or yeah, Two. Yeah, yeah, loved oh, it. Oh, that was mine and Dad's jam. I loved um, when I was like seven. When he went to the Focus and they did it two or three, and he, he changed from the Subaru. I don't know what what it was. It was two or three, I think. Um, that game was fucking awesome because they'd had a couple of generations, yeah, like evolution. They yeah, did the yeah, first yeah. one, which was good, and then it refined it, refined it, refined it, and then by the time it got to that point, like it was awesome. Yeah. And then they, like the dirt ones are still I remember good. seeing a Colin McRae that came out 2007 or 8 and I saw it and me and Dad were like, oh my God, oh my God. We got on it and we're like, oh, this isn't what we used to well, play. Well, see, that's what I love about Art of Rally is that, like the old Colin McRae's, it's just a point-to-point rallying game where you're just racing the clock. Yes. And as Will will attest, I, I sort of gave him a go just so you can speak to it. I just love that there's a learning curve to it. There's a degree of difficulty where the car's quite quite squirrely and quite difficult to control. Yeah. And then as you work through the game, you unlock the quicker cars, better cars as the, the, the sport evolved. I was thinking as I was playing it going, it's not, I mean, I might have even said it to you, it's not your, your easily pick-upable need for speed. No. Uh, there is, there is burnout. A, there is a learning curve yeah. to 
to like you're not holding down you're not holding down accelerator no you're just slamming into walls and the car's like drifting all over <laughs> yeah. the place and you've got to you know the, the hairpins classic rally stuff and you've got to get your lines right and the different services um you know you've got snow you've got gravel um you've got like dirt roads in kenya you've got the tarmac and the car behaves differently on all of them um which is really cool i just think it's a really well done really fun really simple game that you can just throw on and the objective is always clear yep and there's a level of satisfaction as you play it more and you get better. You kind of go, oh, I'm actually, I am improving. I'm feeling more comfortable. I can control the car and I can, you know, arrest slides and stuff like that. Um, I really, really enjoy it. Um, now, Will, the real star of the show, however, mm-hmm. and this was a, this was an unintended surprise. I didn't didn't see this coming. So, in classic like retro gaming style. It's got a fun look, it's got a fun throwback feel, all that kind of stuff. But it's also got an absolutely banging soundtrack. So this this is basically... Synth a, is the goat. It's a four-hour soundtrack. I think there's like 50 tracks. They each go for, you know, that four or five-minute kind of time. Yeah. Um, and it's composed by Slavia Korostov, it says here. You can find this on Apple Music, Spotify, YouTube, etc., it is brilliant. I've got some clips here. Like, there's no commentary. It's just this, like, just playing in the background all the time. You can imagine being in, like, a German club. Oh, it is like French Euro disco. Munich, welcome to club. That's the music factor. <laughs> like, so you're driving here go. around. Get a drink in your hand. So you're driving around, and this is just booming. And you're like, there's, I've got a couple different clips. That's just one of them. And, and obviously some like... We're randomly going to break into dance. Here we go. Oh, what have I done? Oh, dear. Oh, hold on. I fucked that up. But this is that first one again. We'll just let it play out a little softer. Yeah. But it's, just, it's like I said, you can... I, I've actually found myself, like having played the game and it's just good fun yeah. listening to this stuff. You're like... <laughs> just going downstairs and raving. No, I've just found myself like riding around delivery or something and just throw it on or you're driving somewhere or you're doing something on the computer or whatever because it's just it's just really cool fucking Euro yeah. like electronica when um when Stranger Things came out they, very Stranger Things yeah they released their obviously uh, uh, album post the season yep and there was a couple of really nice synth tracks on kids. there and I was just kids I just, I'd chuck it on. I'd go to the gym yeah. and just like listen to it. And it just, synth takes you See, into this a is, place. This is a slightly, I think this next one is that like just classic ambient. Yeah. I can imagine them putting the game together and just being like, fuck, yes. <laughs> this is filthy. It's amazing. like 45 of these after this we're going to get it off here we're going to drive home back to Chelt in my, in my van the walls are going to be going <laughs> it's just it's just stuff like this some of the harder like this and then there's like the more melodic ambienty stuff it is awesome so as much as I love the game I found myself sitting there and the only the only downside to the soundtrack is because there's so many songs 
you kind of don't know which one's which. Which is which? Yeah. So you might hear a, a part of a particular song and be you like, go, "Oh, which one's that?" You'll be searching for that song forever. <laughs> but you'll, you'll find a part of it. You'll be like, "Oh, that was really good. What's it called?" And the kind of the title does flash up on the screen, but you sort of need to be keeping track of it. So as much as I love the game and it's just really good fun, classic throwback. I've ticked so many boxes for me. I found myself sitting there and playing it and being like, this fucking soundtrack is awesome. And much to my eternal joy, when I thought, oh, is it on Apple Music? Or you know, Spotify? Mm. Yes, it is. What's it called? What's the? It's just called, um, if you just search The Art of Rally, um, you'll be able to find it. And it's, like I said, for anyone else who's keen to kind of have a bit of a look, similarly, it's all on YouTube here. You can, you know, um, 53 tracks. Art of Rally soundtrack. Vyacheslav Lev Anatolevich Korostov. Yeah. That's banging pronunciation, by the way. Pronunciation. So it's it's just great fun. So Vyacheslav Anatolevich Korostov. Like I said, I love the game. Soundtrack's a, an added bonus. It's very good. Um, is that the title track? When it loads up the menu, maybe? Yeah, it must be. Um, so do check it out. Art of Rally. Um, One song. On Steam. Where's the rest? On to the game and then everywhere else. It's a playlist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, snap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Four and a half hours. Four and a half. That's what I mean. So there are some... five likes. Is one of them you? No, but I might go and put a bunch on it. (laughs) One guy guy was like, some of the comments on some of the tracks on YouTube are brilliant. Um, I I can't... There was one I found earlier, which was great. The guy was just like, this is banging. (laughs) (laughs) There's probably someone exactly in your position that downloaded it and... Let's just play this. Oh, this music's all right. Let's You'd be go like, find this it. is really fucking hard to play. But yeah. The soundtrack is amazing. Confidence, just, champion, just, flat out, diligence. Yeah, and they've all got those like. How yeah. do you name these things? Oh, well, they're just the guys' names. We've got like Vista, Wind, Drivecraft, Will I See You Again, Rally Master, Turbo Supercharger, Explosion. And they all just Transcendence is a good one. That might have been one I played before. Turbo <laughs> Supercharger. Uh, so do check it out. Um, if for nothing else, the soundtrack, which I think you'll quite enjoy. Including the Kenya update. Yes. Yes, indeed. Do you have another pick this week? I do. Um, I've got a couple. I watched Don't Look Up. <laughs> Thoughts? Way too long. Yes. Um, I think Don't Look Up would have been really cool as a... I've actually got a very similar opinion of that um, Get Out, you know, a couple of years ago. Um uh, Jordan Peele direct, you know the horror film where the, the um Yeah, never watched the it. young black yep. guy was taken in by the white family and yep. like just fa- awesome premise, like really yep. fantastic premise for a Twilight Zone episode. Yeah. Forty five minutes. I remember sitting there watching going, This is a fucking brilliant idea and it's yep. really, really well done. Yeah. Forty five minutes, like black mirror, mm. maybe an hour. Yeah. As just an episode. It was like and it would have been like would have been elite. Yeah. And I thought the same thing about Don't Look Up. I was like, Black Mirror slash Twilight Zone episode, mm. just satirizing the incompetence of government. I was like, 45 minutes to an hour would have been perfect. I think they probably thought that as well, but then they go, we want to get like a fucking mega cast in. Just make you it, can't do... In that case, it was like 90 minutes. Because what, it went for what, 220? 218. Yeah, too long. Yeah. Way too long. I think by the time it gets to that end point, you're like... All right, we're here, but yeah. we've kind of you really sagged in the middle trying to get to this point. Oh no, there was definitely a point where I was like, I was watching it with Matt. And I can tell I, you just know, phones start coming out. Yeah, and, and it's just I'm like, I was <laughs> just like, uh, like we're like you know we're just punching through, and then it got it kind of picked itself back up again. Mm. Um, but I just a, I got a thought for you. Hit me. 
So I said this to Tim, I think, watched it. Shout out to Dr. Davis. Timbo. Um, he really enjoyed it, but Timber he was always he, he, he was always inclined to enjoy it because he he sort of is politically aligned a lot to the messages of the film, whether it be climate change, anti-vaxxing, all that kind of stuff. The metaphor that the film was. Timbo's an anti-vaxxer. No, but like you know, the, the, the criticisms. <laughs> Timbo is the complete opposite. I think he's had eight jabs. Shout out Timbo. <laughs> Timbo's the most protected man in the world. <laughs> it's coronavirus. I I had a mate who's a cop who had had three by. The time I was getting my first. Like that's that's so you're setting you're setting a pace. <laughs> and I was like, Jesus. Um, but I, I said to him, and I'm going to talk about this later, which is one of my other picks. But a podcast I've just started listening to slash watching. They're on YouTube. They were, they spoke about the film and they made a point that I, it was really funny because I had thought this, and when they like two three days after I watched the film, they were speaking about it. And I went, Oh my god, that's interesting that you they had the same thing. Leonardo DiCaprio is not good looking anymore. No. I know that he's not meant to be in the film. Like, I get that's the gag. The funny thing is that he's this schlubby scientist. Yeah. Yeah. But even when he's meant to be the hot geologist or whatever it was, and, and he kind of, you know, gets a better haircut and the like, you're like, yeah. no, you're a middle-aged dude now. You're not You're not Jay Gatsby on that balcony any, anymore. No. You're not Jack Dawson from Titanic, which is not a... He's a fucking 45-year-old man. Yeah. But it was just that for the first time, you know, The Revenant was a bad example because he was the frontiersman yes. and he was, he was you know, really run down really deliberately. Yeah. But like Wolf of Wall Street, Great Gatsby era, yeah. is done. Oh, he, He's not the dashing leading man. And it was just that interesting thing where you went, you're a middle-aged man now. You're yes. not the handsome leading man anymore. Yep. Which yep. was an interesting takeaway, but... Um, so you haven't watched it? I haven't. You have. You have. Yeah. Uh, I watched a couple of clips on YouTube. It was like a Q&A with Adam McKay. Um, and he's saying that there was a bunch of improv in the in the film. And one, one I didn't I didn't laugh heaps in the movie. There's some funny bits. But one bit where I cackled was Jonah Hill's prayer to stuff. Uh-huh. I thought you were going to say when he called Jennifer Lawrence the boy with the dragon tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was funny. But like, say, he goes, it's nice of you to dress up. But like that and the prayer was all improv. A lot of this film was shot... Well, he's used was, to work on Saturday Night Live. And yeah, yeah. Anchorman. Yeah. And um, and he, he talked about Anchorman in this little clip. He goes, like, in Anchorman 2, where you've got, like, just fucking thousands of amazing skit artists. Skit it, skit. Yeah, like improv. Yeah. Comics. Um. It just goes. You're like you couldn't control them. They just did what yeah, they yeah, did. And you kind of, it's it's hard though because sometimes you have to. Yes. So I he goes. That's what a lot of these Apatow films of they just. So he goes for legal reasons. We shoot what's on the script. Yes. And then we might spend another half an hour shooting other shit. And if yeah. it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Um, it's, it's that fine line of just improv's great when it works. Yeah. And I think the birth of that was. Um, Paul Rudd and um, Seth Rogen, you know how I know you're gay? Yeah. From 40-Year-Old Virgin. And then, then every film was like, we need the ad-libbing, just roll the camera. Yeah. That's, that's what we need. Yeah. It was like, Jesus Christ. Um, so, yeah. I, I also like the gag about the general made them pay for the snacks. <laughs> how much does he hear it? And he made us pay? Did he, not think, <laughs> did he just not think we'd, like... <laughs> And then the other guy when he said he met Sting and Sting farted and just maintained eye contact. <laughs> just like that. that was like classic Adam McKay. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, Johnny Hill, I love, I love what he's become slash becoming. He's just getting almost typecast now as like a, it's not like a senile, arrogant, cause I don't know how or why he can do it because he used to just be like the comic chubby dude. I think he'll regret one of the rumours going around is that he turned down the Riddler. The Riddler. In, oh, in, right. In the new Batman. It was, it was a rumour. Who knows? Yeah. But they went to him and said, like, there's no comic. like, And I think he was okay with that. It was like, no one to do a serious mm. whatever. That was like, you're going to play a serial killer. Like a crazed, isolated... I think you'll get that chance again with But it was else. like, I just reckon... I reckon Paul Dano is an amazing choice for that. but Because mm. I think you kind of got to have somebody you don't know, yeah. you don't see as anyone else yeah. um, in those roles, which can, which can be tricky. But now look, with Don't Look Up, I think part of my... Have you seen The Big Short? So The Big Short was Adam McKay's film about the GFC. No, but it's on my to-watch list. So I thought... My legitimate to-watch list. I thought list. The Big Short was a better commentary of the GFC and a satire and taking the piss and all that. I thought that was a better, a better commentary on that than "Don't Look Up" was. I thought "Don't Look Up" was a bit. I just think they laid it on a bit thick. There was just not a lot of subtlety about. Yeah, no, I can. I haven't seen Big Short, but I can understand what you mean. Which was like, I just, I just sort of found myself sitting there going, "Yeah, like I get it." Yeah. Like after half an hour, I was like, "I get it." Yeah. I get what you're saying. And then they kept on, kept on going. I was like, I still get it. Meryl Streep's annoying. Her character, not her personally. Mm. Her character was very annoying. It and wasn't then, like you know what the other thing is too, like, so Wonder Woman 1984 is a good example of this as well. So that film, when it was first put into production, was That's meant... an annoying film. But that was meant to open um, in, like, 2019. And it doesn't end up, doesn't end up opening until, like, what, 2020-odd? Mm. Or mid-2021, I should say. Sorry, it was meant to open 2020. But by the time Wonder Woman comes out, in much the same as Don't Look Up, you're criticising an administration and a leadership and particularly a president who's no longer in office. You're really trying to skewer Trump and Trump's admin. He's gone. Mm. Like, so the criticism or the commentary that you're making is actually... Yeah, I was reading... Like he's, he's, he's out, mate. Something. He's done. All the comments were like, yeah, they're fucking giving it to Biden. I was like, oh, no, this isn't not. what they're giving it, it was to, about. No, they're giving it to Trump. Yeah. And it's about Republicans. It's about climate change, whatever. And you're kind of going, that's fine. But like Wonder Woman had the big ending skewering the lying, twisted, um, untrustworthy... Uh, um, Maxwell Lord was, you know, like he was... Um, uh, he was a complete fraud. And he's standing in front of the seal of the President of the United States addressing yep. the people. And you're like, it's a Trump... I get it, it's a yeah. Trump metaphor. But you're like, by the time this film's out, he's not president. Mm. Well, like the, that other bleeding obvious one where they're at the rally and Joni Hill goes, oh, she wasn't my mum, I would, you know, she, she's banger. Exactly. And then, like, Maddie gave me nothing. And I, I, I chuckled. She's like, well, what's the what's to do with that? I was like, <laughs> incest. You know, Trump said it about his daughter. Rah, rah. She, oh. Yeah, and you're just like, I get it. I get what you're saying. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. I really, really, really do. But, like, another good one, if you haven't seen it, in much the same vein... Mike Judge um, did a film called Idiocracy in like 2006. Our man, Terry Crews, is in it. He plays, he plays the president. Um, so the idea is that like 
the human race has devolved to such a point that we're just idiots. Yeah. And Luke Wilson is like cryogenically frozen and he wakes up, you know, crazy. I don't know how many years it is, hundreds of years, thousands of years in the future. Yeah. And he was just like a normal run-of-the-mill guy. But in this futuristic hellscape where we've devolved to such a extent, he's like the smartest man alive. Yeah. And you, that's a commentary on the falling standards and expectations of our leaders um, and the general dumbening of the population. Mm. And you're like, that's probably a better commentary on that kind of thing than this is. And it's a 15-year-old movie. Yeah. It's it, yeah. It was, it was, I could, you can understand where they're coming from. Yeah. They've done well in bits, but it's, yeah, a little bit too much mayo. I just reckon, like I said, I just reckon anthology style. Like, so that Wes Anderson film I spoke about, The French Dispatch, I think he's doing another anthology-style film next. Yeah. My attitude would almost be anthology-style, tell this story in three distinct parts from three distinct point of views. Each episode goes for 40-odd minutes, 45 minutes. Release them as an omnibus as one or do them one per week. Um, but I just don't think... I just don't think the story was rich enough... Like mm. Two and two hours twenty. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah, like a little series. Yeah, particularly yeah. in this day, do a streaming thing where it's like a four episode miniseries or yeah, whatever. So you can elaborate on things you probably had to cut out. Hundred yeah, percent. No. Yeah, good call. Um, no, like it was, it was, it was okay. Yeah, yeah, it was okay. Turns a lot of heads, and you know what else is interesting about it? It's basically critic proof. I'm recording on that. It's basically critic proof. What are you looking at? I just want to see how, how long we've been going for. One seventy. Yeah. Um, it's basically critic proof because the filmmakers, if we'll say, or you know, its fans, if you hate it, it's because you're pro-Trump or you're yeah. anti-vax or you're a climate denier. Yeah. And then on the flip side, um, those people will say to those who loved it, "Oh, it's because you're a progressive." Biden left loving soft cock. Yeah. And it's like, oh, does this does this help the discourse? Yeah. <laughs> this these two polar opposite points of view arguing over this movie that's unremarkable but kind of like semi enjoyable if you're just mm. sitting there watching something on a Saturday night. It's like I don't think yeah. this is a hill to die on, but no. um my next pick is uh, a podcast, video and audio comes in both forms, uh, that I've started watching called... It's quite old now. Like, it's been running for a pretty long time. And I'd seen it floating around the traps, Mm. and I was first made properly, properly aware of it from the the Comedy Store doco that I spoke about a while back. Christina... uh, Christina, Tom Segura and his wife, Christina Pruszynski, host a podcast called Your Mum's House. And it's just just good fun. They're just two comics married... Um, and they just talk about silly things. They have guests on Joey Diaz or Joe Rogan. Or Pause. Yeah. Weird. I've also listened to a podcast called y- Your, Mum, Your Mum's Basement. There you so go. So Your Mum's is obviously a very catchy... That's weird. Um, <laughs> but like they have guests, Bill Burr comes on, other comics, other people. And they just have like silly, crass, like you know, Burt Kreischer's on it regularly and Tom Segura does a spin-off podcast with Burt Kreischer. And it's just... Once again, we spoke about MacGruber. It's a bit crass yeah. at times, and it's a bit like, oh, fucking oh, geez, they're talking about that. But that's the allure, yeah. is that they just talk like, you know, like there was a bit where, um, what are they talking about? Oh, no, what are you doing, Will? This is my shoes clicking <laughs> over the uh, hard plastic. Yeah, don't break it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Let's uh, roll it out the window. Th- there's a bit where they're like, 
I don't want to give too much away because it's it's sort of too specific. But in each episode, they'll just have a really frank conversation about dating or sex or your mum's house. Your mum's house, mum with an O because they're American. But it's um, it's just really really good fun. It's just really silly. They were telling stories the other day about um, sharting. They're saying it's it's, <laughs> us. it's it's an older episode, but there's yeah. all these clips on YouTube that are like ten minutes or twelve minutes. A little highlight clips to whet the appetite. Yeah. Um, but they were talking about like oh, it's Shart Week, and then they had Bert Kreischer on, and he was just telling crazy stories about times he's crapped himself. And I get that on the surface of things, that's like oh, why are you listening to that? It's hilarious. Four point nine on Spotify is that out of five yeah. stars? It's hilarious. Not bad. So six hundred and thirty-seven. Yeah, so they've been doing it for yonks and yonks and yonks. Okay. But it's um, it's not a bad listen. Two and a half hours. Th- their me. episodes are they make us look like, make us look like responsible recorders. When we started this, like tight forty five. Yeah, when we started this, everyone was like, "You need to do like a half an hour, forty five minutes." I was like, "No, <laughs> <laughs> don't tell me how to live my life." <laughs> You're not the ones studying fucking media. <laughs> but no, it is. Uh, a fun listen. You'll know pretty quickly if it's your taste. Yeah, I'll give, um, it, a, I'll give it a go. But it's it's not bad. they got some funny stuff. I would recommend to just chuck on the YouTube clips and you'll they're like the highlights. Okay, so I won't follow it right now. No, no. So chuck on the YouTube clips and flick through those and, and you'll you'll figure out pretty quickly that mm. those are kind of the best bits Yeah, yeah, if, yeah. if I want to listen to more. Yeah. So your mum's house, Tom Segura, Christina Pajitsky, um, very, very fun to listen to. Cool. Have you listened to um, the Steve-O podcast? I don't know what it's I've called. He, I've seen bits of it. I saw, once again, clips of him with Frankie Muniz. Yeah, that came up on my recommended too. Yeah. Not bad. Not bad. His voice is... Yeah, yeah dude. Yeah, dude, yeah. <laughs> Steve-O. It's, it's a fucking strange it's voice. years and years of drug abuse. Wow. And then his mate who sits in the corner with the, the denim jacket with the lamb's wool collar. Yeah. I was like, what are you bringing to this? He's um one of the jackass... Uh, producers, Producer, I think. yeah, okay. Um, I am excited. As there is a new Jackass coming out. And I'm, I'm like, I'm like, I'll watch it. Jackass Forever, I think it's called. Huge. When's that coming out? Soon. Yeah, Jackass. this like this year. Jackass Forever, 2022. What's the was which was it? The first Jackass film that had just that un- release date, third of February. There you go. Huge. Was it the first Jackass that had that legendary montage opener? Where the bulls like running inside the house, and it's like, it was just uh, this the more, like the last film, the wasn't last it? One? one of the openers, a lot of them were, but one of them in particular was was just a genuinely brilliant, well done achievement in filmmaking. Like to grab to to sh- capture it and to to get it as they did. Yeah, it was like genuinely good filmmaking, which is funny because that's the joke. The joke is that Jackass is just could be shot on a phone, <laughs> but they mm. they put together this incredibly um, elaborate, brilliant opening sequence which was just them getting hurt <laughs> which is the whole thing I love it so I reckon this is coming out in um, oh it's going to be a Paramount Plus thing I reckon I reckon just get on the high seas me hearty yeah I'll get on your high seas and you can I'll jump on your boat Arr. Fabian keeps asking me to grab stuff for his boys and I Paramount keep Pictures so you'd think it'd be Paramount no, no, Plus it'll, it'll, get a, it'll get a film cinema release yeah. um Fabian keeps asking me to get stuff for his boys, like, you know, whatever it might be. And I'm like, are you boys going to come and visit me in the clink? 
they're gonna they're come, gonna come and give gonna me come give and give the, Uncle Sean give fifty bucks for a packet of Oreos from the canteen. They give old Uncle Sean a fucking file in a cake <laughs> so I can defend myself in the shower block. You know? I at least just I grab the stuff that you're downloading for yourself. I don't I don't I could go argue, out. I could argue that I'm not I'm not selling. Let's stop this conversation before it's <laughs> before it's used in evidence. You wouldn't steal a car. You wouldn't steal a bus. I've never done that, and I never would. <laughs> um, Aaron, thirty-six, not bad. But uh, but yeah, cool. So what were you talking about? Sorry, Steve O's podcast. It's not like it's yeah, okay. No, not bad. All, all those shows are, uh, live and die on the quality of the guest, and I suppose for people our age, and then it changes as well. I watched one probably a year ago, and he's always buttoning and stuff. And but now, obviously. With practice and whatever, mm-hmm. he just he sits there, he listens, asks questions. Well, he's not he's not the star, is he? No. People are listening to hear what, in this case, what Frankie Muniz has to say. Yeah. And and he's a cool guest because, like for the most part, a bit like Macaulay Culkin turned up on Red Letter Media. Yeah. And it was sort of like, what have you been doing? <laughs> and not in a like it was like no, t- I'm interested. Yeah. Like what have you been doing? Yeah, it was someone you grow up with and you yeah. go, oh, shit, all and right. You, you kind of find out that he's a pretty kind of normal-ish yeah. guy and he's now he's got the same, you know, he's a dad. And, and every, like every podcast has their own pool to certain stars. Like those, like the Nelt Boys that I reviewed a while ago, mm. they have their own podcast now and they get, like, they had the only media appearance from Antonio Brown after his walkout yeah, there you go. the other day. He just chose to go on there and then they got John Daly, got Brush and DeChambeau, it's they've got a very particular clientele. Yeah, just you know, sports yeah, and sports uh, bad boys and UFC fighters because they're fucking butt buddies with the UFC and yeah. um and you know they're not the best podcast hosts, but in a years in a year's time they'll know their craft and Absolutely. they'll yeah yeah. Do you have any more? Um yeah, but are we still gonna go? I'll yeah, may as well. Okay, uh, let's clear the decks. One more. I have got. I watched twenty one. The card counting game. Yeah. That movie with. Um, yeah. Oh, don't tell me the guy's name. Don't tell me his name. Sturgis? Was that his name? Yeah. First name? Sturgis. Jim. Yes. And it also had um, the guy from Eurotrip in it. Uh, you know, this isn't where I parked my car. He was know. in it. I don't know who that is. Sort of had the longish hair in Eurotrip. Jacob Pitts? I don't know. I don't know. Um, had. Uh, who was the girl in it? Kate Bosworth. Kate Bosworth. And you have Mama. Kevin, Kevin Spacey. She is gorgeous. Kevin, Asian guy? Kevin Rapey. Kevin Rapey. Girablin! <laughs> <laughs> um, um, who was the... Aaron Yu Choi. And what he was in something else. Uh, let's have a look. He was in something else. Known for uh, Friday the 13th. No. Disturbia. No. Um, was it before 21? I don't know. Uh, what, else he, what else is he known for on IMDb? That was like the only ones that... Was he in He's not, Just Not That Into You as well? I uh, don't know. Can't see. 2006. Just not that. 2006, 2008, 2007. No. No? In Law and Order as Tommy in 2004. He's probably a fucking victim of some kind of yeah. heinous crime. Yeah. <laughs> uh, boom, boom. No, 21 was... Okay. Yeah. It was just like a cool kind of like, when was it made? 2008? 2008. Yep. Yeah. So Two it was, hours and three minutes. It was kind of a cool, like we spoke recently, you know, ages ago about like rounders and it was kind of like those interesting teenagers gambling movies. Yeah. 
where like every so often you'll have these type of movie will come out. Yeah. And it was, um, yeah, he was just a maths genius who wants to get into MIT or pay for MIT. Yeah. And you know they try and scruff him up and make it make him look a little bit nerdy, but yeah. it's like, yeah. eh, there's always that little sexy boy under yeah. there. Um, but yeah, Kate Bosworth is stunning. Uh, she, I just, I was like, oh, who? The first like 10, 15 minutes ago, who is that? <laughs> Tell me you weren't jerking it in the mid two thousands. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't have known who she was um, in the mid two thousands. Anyway, enough, in enough blue, on that conversation. Uh, she was in Blue Crush. She was. Lois Lane. And she Superman. was. Um, but Lawrence Fishburne, I loved him in it. Plays. He's the FBI agent? Not the FBI. He's like the head of loss prevention. Yeah, the casino. At the, at like for like a group of casinos. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. he's, this is as there's facial recognition coming in and yeah. he's like old school and, you know, drags bad guys back in and beats them up or whatever. And, then and he, he ends up being... Like a long-time foe of Kevin Spacey's character. Yeah, because Kevin Spacey... He was doing the same thing 20 years prior. Because Kevin Spacey can't go into the casino, so he hires yes, the kids. To do that for him. And then he takes a cut from them. And yeah. Kevin Spacey, look, the ultimate shame of him being a predatory weirdo is that he's actually... A, and not that we don't, you know, don't intend to me to tell you this, like a brilliant actor. Brilliant. But he's just a predatory weirdo. Yeah. Who... You know the weird thing about him when he kind of came out and he kind of admitted that he was gay it was like I think everyone knew you were gay mate yeah like everyone knew no one cared everyone yeah. knew mm, it's a shame and it's like not a shame that he's gay another one lost no, but, but everyone uh, everyone was sort of like yeah I know We, I think we all knew that mate mm. like the problem here is that you were potentially using your fame and celebrity and whatnot to groom and influence young men yes that's yeah. the issue. Not the fact that you were gay. No one cares about that. On that, has a Ghislaine. See you later. Yeah. See you later, Ghislaine. Yeah, poor old Ghislaine. Then Prince Andrew's in the firing line. He's going to drop off ass. soon. He'll, what a dumbass. He'll get murdered, I reckon. Um, yeah, I think the Queen should do it herself. <laughs> just go to like 90 and then... <coughs> sorry. Just suffocate him in bed. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, 21. Uh, for those that don't know, fact-based story. So somewhat true. Uh, six students that were trained to become experts in candy cards. And like for two days after I watched it, I was like, maybe I could count cards. <laughs> Apparently it's, if, you, if you're like reasonable at maths, it's actually not that hard. I think what was cool about 21, was that the film where they explained the, the way they keep track of it's the plus and minus? Yes. The, what the Which value of a I card is? I don't understand. I'll need to read up on it. But, but I'm uh, considering well, counting cards. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, Alle- allegedly. Uh, that's what I liked about about the film though was that it, for the, you know we'd, we'd heard about counting cards and a lot of films had spoken about counting cards and yeah. shown guys getting their hands broken at casinos yeah. and whatnot. But Twenty One was cool in that it kind of actually explained to you the mathematic principle of this card is worth this, so it's a plus two or a minus yeah. one, and then that's what you're keeping track of. You're keeping track of the probability of what's in the deck. Yeah, you don't know what's coming out of the deck, but it's about probability. Yeah, of okay, there's been. Well, whatever, we're at seven, so that means that what is in the deck is the eight of this, yeah. the seven of that, the whatever. Well, I like, I just don't, I don't know, uh, I don't know Black Jack well enough to know, like, if do they, what happens when they get to the, at a casino, they just keep playing, they just keep playing, they don't like stop, get to the end of the deck, you go to another table, do they? 
you would have thought that one of the solutions would be just... Isn't it just a continuous fucking deck? No, well, they've got it because they've got a... There has to be, obviously, X number of cards in the deck. Yeah. Or on in play, yeah. if you will. Yeah. Because so, otherwise you could say, well, we'll just have a bunch of face cards yeah. and twos. Yeah. So you'll be busting all the time. Yeah. So I think per the, the gambling regulation, they have to be heavily regulated enough that you have to be playing with four decks. Yeah. You know, at all times, they have to be four live decks, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And then you get to the point where you go... And you'd roughly know how long it takes to yeah, get to a deck. Yeah, 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 okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, so 21. Enjoyed it. I didn't mind. I didn't um, mind. Enjoyed it. Uh, when was the last time you would have watched it, do you reckon? Oh, f- <laughs> maybe I saw it at the cinema. Oh, really? When it came out. Um, yeah. And I might have watched it maybe on, like, DVD when yeah. it you know, later that. So probably 10, 11 years mm. at least. Got a young Josh Gad. It does. Who we hated him for a little bit there, didn't we? I kind of still do. Yeah. Um, so like when I I listen to him and I'm like, yeah, I just can't like I just can't unhear Olaf. Olaf. Yeah. Um, which is a shame because not that like he's you know he's all right, but I always preferred was it Dan Fogler? Feels like they're the same person, and I just prefer Dan Fogler. Dan Fogler. F O G. L.E.R. You'd probably know him. He was in, he was, um, in Fantastic Beasts. He was uh, Jacob. He's too, no, he's, oh, I can understand why, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I'd probably prefer him. I pref- I'd prefer him, yes. In comedic kind of roles. Mm. He's good in fanboys. Yeah, Josh Gad's just a little bit more, um, I guess, theatrical. He is. I was going to say, he's a bit more theatre. Um, and then my last pick of the week is a film, very briefly we'll go over this, because there's not too much to talk about with it. But I was interested in seeing it. Aaron Sorkin's newest film called Being the Ricardos stars Nicole Kidman. And it's just a behind-the-scenes look at... Did she just win something for that? Nah, uh, potentially. she uh, Maybe a Golden Globe. Yeah. But um, it's a behind-the-scenes look at the making of I Love Lucy. Nicole Kidman plays Lucille Ball. Javier Bardem plays uh, De- uh, um, Desi. What's his name? Desi... Arnaz, Desi Arnaz, why did I say Inez? Plays Desi Arnaz, who is her husband. 18 plus. What? Rated 18 plus. Being the Ricardos. Is that an American rating or our rating? I don't know. It's a bit strange. America doesn't have 18, they have 17. That's weird. It's nothing in it that's too bad like that. Um, Just hardcore sex. Yeah, it's <laughs> weird. Like, there is a sex scene in it, but like... Um, so Javier Bardem plays Desi, who was her husband in real life as well as on the show as Ricky. Yeah. Um, and it's just a behind-the-scenes look at the making of an episode of uh, I Love Lucy, um, which was overcome by you know, a significant controversy. She was accused of being a communist, you know, at the height of McCarthyism, right. which was career-ruining, and the show kind of tackling with the fallout of that, the potential fallout of that, what it might mean. And then thrown into the bargain of some flashbacks, um, which sort of combined to tell a story of their rocky marriage, which is always beset by allegations of infidelity by Desi, um, her wanting to support him, obviously their careers, controversies like um, she was pregnant. And I think she had one child when they were making the show. And they were like, oh, you're going to have to stand behind countertops or carry baskets of washing or whatever that we can't know that you're pregnant because you sleep in different beds on the show. You sleep in different beds and, you know, we're very 
conservative. And when you think about TV in the late 50s, early 60s, absolutely, and particularly American TV. Mm. So there's an interesting idea there that it was trailblazing in that she was pregnant on the show. Mm. And they were, were having a baby, were having a child on the show. So they, they kind of weave in a bunch of these different stories to kind of be taking place at the same time. So they take narrative license with that. And look, it's it's okay. Performances are really good. Javier Bardem's great. Um, um, Talia Shawkat, is that her name? She plays, uh, she was maybe in Arrested Development. She's in it. She's great. Alia, I think her name is. Alia Shawkat. And she was in that Drew Barrymore film with it. Yeah. She's been in a bunch of stuff. Um, but it's just classic Aaron Sorkin. It's that newsroom, Studio 60, you know, the West Wing did it. Um, Sports Night did it, where he takes you behind the scenes yeah. of the making of something. In this mm-hmm. case, it's a sitcom. The West Wing, it was you know, polit- politics, the White House. Sports Night, it was Sports Center type stuff. Studio 60 was Saturday Night Live. Yeah. So very similar to that. He's obviously got a premise and a wheelhouse. And it, look, it's all right. It's fine. It's an interesting enough watch, held up by the performances. Probably lacks a bit of focus. Mm. Uh, as the film kind of goes on, the sort of narrative thrust of this big spectre of communism kind of doesn't end up equaling much. comes to a head, but without, I think, the trials and tribulations you might be expecting. Yeah. Um, but worth a look, I think, just because I think Aaron Sorkin's an interesting filmmaker, has a lot of interesting stuff to say, the way he writes his scripts is always great. Yeah. And then now that he's a director, um, that, that kind of... He's, he's sort of quite polished. He's a lot more polished than I maybe expect him to be. Um, in that light, well, will we bring the episode to an end? And cool. as, we, as we always do, yep. your pick of the week. Um, <laughs> let me just go back to my list. Um, I will have to go with Harry Potter. Okay. Harry Potter reunion. Um, just, yeah. Really well done, nostalgic. Uh, couldn't have been much better, um, considering you've barely watched MacGruber. It was just comfort food, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah. Harry Potter reunion. Excellent. Um, I've got like a pretty hard decision to make here because I sort of, with the exception of maybe beating the Ricardos, which is all right, I can absolutely recommend your mum's house. Love <laughs> the, the Harry Potter. Um, <laughs> What's the name of the show? I um, know, I know, but I'm just thinking, <laughs> just like any sort of your mum joke, be like, oh, you know. Um, Harry Potter was great. Xbox Power On was fantastic. I love that. And then Art of Rally is not just a great game, but it's got a fucking banging score, man. Banging. Welcome yeah. to Art of Rally. Dasabaka! <laughs> so, I mean... It's it's hard to be honest to uh, to pick one. I'll probably go with Art of Rally. Nice. Just because it's something that people can. Lots of people watched Harry Potter. People with a fascination of gaming and stuff would have come across the Xbox Power on, yeah. or, or at some yeah. point they would. Yeah. But Art of Rally's now been out for you know eighteen odd months, a little bit off the gra- off, off the grid to begin with, um, but definitely worth a go um, if you like fun games, racing games, rally games, and Euro uh, Electronica. Cool. Good stuff. You know what we haven't done? In, I think the last two episodes didn't do like headlines per se. Yeah, I don't know. Drop it. Maybe. Yeah. Oh, that's fine. Is there any news? No, just you know things we don't really want to fully review, just kind of mention. Yeah. Um, but no. All right. Other than that. Well, Will, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you here. 
it's been a pleasure to be here. Awesome. Every time I come here I, the, from work, the maps takes me a different way. I see different parts of Melbourne every time I drive to your house, Sean. That's well, It's lovely. an experience. <laughs> uh, for me, Sean Peter, much thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. I hope you have a great day, night, afternoon, whatever you choose to do. Doesn't get any better than closing, <laughs> closing with that. We'll catch you next time. Goodbye.